Come on, give the Lord a hand this praise this morning. I, I, I'm going to stand with your pastor that we got winter going out and spring coming on in. How many would like to have some more of that? I was, uh, I got a break. We had real cold weather in Dallas the other day and got down to, I don't know, 15 or something weird like that. And we had then, you know, three days later hail and it was 80 and, you know, the typical stuff. So I decided to get away from it and I went to Africa. And I, I really did. And I was over there and it was 93, I think, every day. Uh, but weirdly enough, I, I never hardly cracked a sweat. It was just nice to be 90. And then I had to fly back through London and it was 40 below zero when I got there. And uh, so I thought, well, I'm, I'm coming to Alabama as soon as I get back. That's the south. So winter there is going to be spring break, right? It's March. It's going to be nice. And thank you for what you... What's your rain? We appreciate that. Man from Connecticut the other day was making fun of me because I was from Texas. And he was complaining. He said, I don't know how y'all put up with the heat down in the south. And I said, well, nobody retires where you live. So, you know, I, that's what I said. I said, besides that, you guys, uh, you know, visit us in July. It might be 105, but we're not shoveling heat to back out of the driveway. Amen. So he, he shut up after that. It was amazing. He just decided to be quiet about it. But uh, we're glad to be here today. It's not all the time that I get to travel with my wife. She has her own ministry, and she has an amazing uh, real estate business and stuff that she keeps uh, going in Dallas. But it just worked out perfect for us to be here together today. And she did not do a good job of bragging on herself yesterday about her brand-new book. I asked later, because it was a lady's being yesterday, I said, did you tell her by that this, like, nobody has... I unboxed this book in your four-year yesterday. We just got this. This is this. No one has seen this but you. And she worked so hard on this book. I said, baby, did you tell them it's like brand new? She said, no, I didn't. I said, well, they need to know that. But then I got to thinking because I've written books too. And I've always told Kathy, men don't talk as much as women. And she's never agreed. Then I looked at how big her new book was compared to mine. There's a lot more pages there. I said, see... But seriously, guys, this is a phenomenal book. I edited this book with Kathy, so I've read it three times myself. So I'm free from fear and trauma for a lifetime. But uh, Kathy's got an amazing testimony, an amazing story. She worked so hard on this book. It's just come out yesterday, and uh, she told a little bit of the story yesterday. Her, 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 her husband, her previous husband, uh, passed away uh, with a drug overdose. But before that was uh, a lot of uh, unfaithfulness. A lot of drug addiction and, and bankrupting them without her knowing about it. And God brought her out of all of that and restored her heart, gave her an amazing worldwide ministry. And she, she just put this together for people who need to get out of a pit and go forward just like she did. So this is called uh, it's 31 Days to Brave, Letting Go, Fear and Trauma. And it's just beautiful, one step at a time. I hope you'll pick a copy up this week. It'll encourage her, and it'll bless you, I promise you. Mother's Day is on the way in just a few weeks, so I would encourage you to pick up a gift copy for someone that you love who could be blessed and strengthened. I've never understood it. I've written 13 or 14 books, made Ds all through you know, high school, English, and all that. I, I, but I've written more books than all my English teachers combined, so I don't feel bad about it. But I've, there are people who will read my books that won't listen to me talk. There'll be people who will read what I write, but they would never come hear me preach. So there are people who will, they're not going to talk to you about Jesus. They're, you know, they've already heard it. They know your, your, your stance. They're kind of hands off, but they would read something that you would put in their life. So I encourage you to make an investment in people's lives. This is a, I've been, I just celebrated. I know I don't look this old, but I just celebrated in December my 40th anniversary in the ministry. I've been preaching for 40 years. I started when I was 14 and I'm in my fifties now, obviously. And I, I had a real heart for 
family and household salvation. And people were coming up to me a lot in revivals and different things and saying, Mike, hey, I, I got 30-year-old kids that don't serve God. They could care less. They were raised in church. I don't know what, what went wrong, but they don't like Jesus or the Bible, and I don't know what to do. And so I, I met people like that everywhere I went, just grandmas and, and papas. And sometimes it'd be a dad that was 60 years old and say, Mike, I didn't even get saved till I was 55 and my kids was already out of the house. And what do you do about a kid? How do you reach a grown child that you have no more authority over? You can't decide who their friends are. You can't make their choices. You can't make them go to church. How do you reach a child? So I put together a book called Reaching Your Grown Children for Christ. It's, it's gone around the world. It's the latest book that we've put out. And uh, I'm going to tell you, if you will read the book, and I write small books, right? So I, I promise you, I just get right to it. I read the other day that 80% of purchased books are never read past chapter one. So I write small books to give you a rare experience. The <laughs> Chapter two. <laughs> so, but seriously, I, I used to pastor a church. I pastored a church in my 20s. And when I was 30, God called me into full-time evangelism and We've planted 64 churches now all over the world by his help, and we just, that's what we do full time. But if you were to ask me what is probably the number one thing I miss about pastoring, it's that I don't get to stay in one place long at all. So I don't get to give half of 5% of anything God's given me because I leave too fast. So it's part of why I bring the books is because it's a way of just putting truth and things. But I tell you, if you'll get this book and begin to read it and put the principles to work, I tell everybody everywhere I go, within 10 days, you'll see shifts in the spirit realm over the people that you're praying for. And they'll just have to be kids. I had a, a pastor's wife in Little Rock, Arkansas, or Fort Smith, came to Kathy and I, and she said, all our kids are saved. But she said, I got a dad who, who has not spoken to me in 15 years. And she was dating the preacher, the pastor she's now married to, and she came home. As a, her daddy was an atheist, an American Airlines pilot. And she said, Daddy, I've met a guy, and I really love him. I think I'm going to get married to him. She said, Great, what's he do? So he's going to be a preacher. And he said, Okay, we don't do that. You know I'm an atheist. So he told her, if you marry that boy, I'll disown you. And she did. And he did cut her off. Never emailed, text, called, did not see or speak to his daughter for 15 years. They went on to pastor a church and had their own kids. And she said, I heard about this book. She said, you think it'd work? I got kids that are saved. I said, it's not a book just about it's principles. I, I just did the Bible research for you. I didn't make anything up magical in this book. I just went to the old Testament and found scriptures of how people got their families back together and got them restored from bad, bad, bad stuff, like everything you can imagine. And, but they got them back. And so I just put it all together for you. And then I have conversational. I've got chapters on how to have a conversation with your kids, how to talk to them. How, what do you do if you were raised? legalistic. So if you taught your kids it was wrong and a sin to breathe their whole life and now they think that's what serving Jesus means, how do you kind of go back and go, okay, we loved God, but we had some weird decisions about our parenting and like the guy I met in Dallas who was taught it was a sin to wear chapstick and he was picking cotton in East Texas and his lips would get so blistered you could drive a truck right through the cracks in his own mouth. But because makeup was a sin and chapstick was makeup for men, he wasn't allowed to put chapstick on. So all the Baptists and Methodists that he worked with did real fine, but he bled to death because he was a Pentecostal and he was taught that chap... How do you think it'd be terrible to die and go to heaven and have God say, the chapstick really wasn't that big a deal? That... that, that I'd be a real drag. But when you have raised kids like that who think Jesus just means I can't ever enjoy life again or watch a basketball game, you got to walk people through some of that. I tell you how to do it in the book. Anyway, real fast. She, she got the book. I said, it'll work for anybody who's lost. Just, it's a principle. It's God's word. On day number 10, the man who hadn't called her in 15 years, hadn't met his grandkids, hadn't done nothing. No, nothing. No Christmas card. 
Ten days later, her daddy called for the first time in 15 years. Said, I don't know what I've been thinking, but I want to get on a plane. I'm going to fly. He lived in San Diego. Said, I'm going to come to Arkansas. I want to meet your husband. I want to meet my grandkids. And that next Sunday, he was on the front row with tears coming down his face, listening to his son-in-law preach the gospel. Come on, somebody, because God's word works. It works. So we've got all kind of material out here that'll help you. This one I wrote just for me, but I decided to share it with you. It's called, Where's My Answer? Uh, have you ever had somebody prophesy over you or you just found a scripture in the Bible and you're looking back now and go, you know what? My present moments look nothing like what I've been promised. And I know enough about God to know he's not lying, but what's up? I've, I've sowed seed. I've, I've, I've tithed. I've, I've speak in tongues. I kept my life clean. I don't cuss too many people out during the week. Don't look at them, just say amen. We'll keep moving. So, but, but, but where's my answer? Where's my answer? I've been waiting on someone to change. I've been waiting on an open door. I've been, how, what do you do when you know God hadn't done you dirty, but you can't rationalize what your life looks like based on what you were told it would be? So I wrote a book like that to answer those questions for me, and I let other people read it. It's called Where's my answer? Seven keys to surviving a season of waiting. And it may answer every question you've ever had in a crisis and how to bring it to a close. And uh, this one I'll talk more about later this week. But if you haven't noticed this week in the United States, we had some banks that collapsed. We're going to have some more. I was in a gold and silver store this week with a very well-known preacher. Uh, I had gone to visit him and he said, I'm on the way to the silver store. You want to ride along? It was the day the second bank had collapsed and there'd been a run on some banks, even in Dallas. And the gold and silver store looked like Chick-fil-A across the stadium when Roll Tide folk are getting ready to play football. I mean, it, it, was, it, was, it was long. And the man said to me, it's been this way all day long. People are panicked buying gold and silver. We'll talk more about it. I say some controversial things. We'll be here for three services, but... The last thing God needs is more broke Christians. Because broke Christians can't help people. You can't feed the hungry. You can't help a widow. You can't print a Bible. You can't be good to yourself. A waitress said to me not long ago, said, I make just enough for me and mine. I said, what about the other 8 billion people that live on the earth who don't need you to be broke? I said, you ever send some money to kids in India that are starving? You ever seen the bloated? I just got back from Africa uh, two weeks ago. You, you ever seen the bloated bellies? She said, yeah, I can't have... And she almost said it. I can't, she almost said it. I can't afford to help them. And before she got that out, it dawned on her what I was talking about. I said, see, money's just not for you. There are people who say, Mike, I got everything I need. There's nothing wrong with that. If you've already got all you want and need, that's great. But there's 8 billion people on the earth who can't say that. And they need you to have some blessing so you can be a blessing. I mean, that's just, I, I, it's just common sense to me. You want to be blessed. And God... This is just, boy, I'm, I'm getting controversial already, Pastor. I just started. God's not broke. You know that, right? Streets of gold, gates of pearl. So for God to be a trillionaire times a thousand and to have broke kids and be happy about that, that'd be child abuse. If you knew a man as rich as Donald Trump, but his kids hadn't eaten in three weeks, you'd say that was child abuse. Well, if an earthly man not providing his child abuse, it'd be child abuse for God to have everything in the earth and not provide for his own. But how many know he does? And so there's some rocky times coming. So I tell you in the book how Benny Hinn has bought this and sent it all around the world. How to prosper in hard times 
God's way. There's a worldly way, and it don't end good, but there's a way to link in with God and have divine provision come right to you. Amen. Man said to me the other day, he said, I don't go to church because all they talk about is money. I said, where's that church at? I said, I've been going to church my whole life. I said, never talk about Jesus. They never mention the cross. Always talk about money. I said, I've never been to a church like that. He said, well, now that you mentioned, I don't guess I have either. I said, well, what else are you wrong about? He said, I hadn't thought about that either. And I said, I believe you. I believe you. I said, we'll just get back to God's word. We'll all be okay. Amen. Say this out loud. I am by my own will in the house of God on a Sunday morning. I am no fool. I'm a receiver. I'm a receiver of all that God will have for me. I embrace his wisdom, his grace, his mercy. Everything I have came from him. So I love him today. I serve him today. And I decree today is a bad day for the devil in my life. Now give God one more hand clap of praise and a mighty shout today. Amen. I want you to turn in your Bibles real quick this morning, please, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Pastor, thank you so much for having Kathy and I here today. It's an honor. We're going to be here tonight at 5.30, everybody. And uh, listen, I just tell you, I'm not kidding. I flew in from Africa, jet lag, 23-hour flights, you name it. Kathy got on a plane to fly to San Antonio on, on Thursday, and she was supposed to be able to fly back that night. The tornadoes came through. They closed the airport down, and she had to, they, they canceled her flight at 7 o'clock at night. And she had to get in a rental car and drive five hours back to Dallas. She got back to our house at 1 a.m., went to bed, and we got up the next morning and flew here and preached yesterday, and now we're going to preach this morning. So when 5.30 comes tonight, I don't want to hear anybody saying, we're tired. Because all you got to do is just come and sit listen to me preach. Everything at your house will be there when you get back home tonight. And if it was all that exciting, you wouldn't have left it this morning to come here. So whatever you have to rearrange, this will be a different night. It'll be a long time before we're all back together again on a Sunday night. And I promise you, God has something very prophetic for us tonight. I was laying in bed this morning just getting revelation and downloads from the Lord. So tonight, bring some friends. You've got folks that don't go to church on Sunday night at their church. They could come here and be with us. You've got family and friends who live a long way away, but we're online so you can tell them how to get there. I want God to touch everybody today in a whole new way. I hate boring church. Can't stand boring church services. The only thing worse than a boring church service is two of them back to back. So we're going to have good church today because it really is hard to make Jesus boring. Amen. It's just hard to make. You don't don't think it can make Jesus boring is religion. Religion can make Jesus boring, but nobody that ever hung out with Jesus and the Pharisees didn't like him, but they wasn't bored. Amen. Amen. So get excited, rearrange your schedule, don't allow any distractions. If you're tired tonight, that's okay, come tired. God was a quickening spirit, he'll strengthen us. We have Monday night as well, and we're going to be praying for the sick this week. Miracles are going to take place. If you know people that are blind, deaf, have autistic children, dementia, uh, crippled, bring them Monday night because we'll be praying for the sick Monday night as well, in in addition to many other things. But it's going going to be a really bad three days for the devil. That's why we're here. I was in Africa the other day, and they had a couple of men there that they wanted me to meet. And I'm always excited to meet new people. And I could tell they were really, whoever this guy was, was a big deal. Like, I didn't know if he's a retired politician 
or if he used to coach, you know, their college teams or something. If this, they wanted me, you got to meet this guy. Well, I said, why? I, I can tell y'all are all happy for me too. He's 82 years old. I said, what was his linkage, his claim to fame, Pastor? And they said, well, he, he used to be dead. I said, I'd like to meet that guy. Don't know if I want to shake hands with him, but I'll meet him. No, I'm kidding, but the man died. And I was just in church with him. This is not a story from 1950. I just got back, just days ago. And the man's in the same church service I was in. I was preaching in his home church, and he died. And they took him to the funeral home there in, in Lagos, Nigeria. And, you know, you're, you're a southern church, especially you, those of you that are over 65, 70. You remember when you were young, a lot of the funeral homes here in the south were in three-story houses where the funeral director actually lived upstairs. And the funeral, you know, and his poor, poor kids was all freaked out, you know, living in the same house with dead bodies all the time. But, but, but the, you'd go in their front living room area and that's where the casket would be and the viewing was right there and then down in the basement they did the embalming i mean you know what i'm talking about so same thing there in africa so the man had one child only child and they brought him in they just called him said your daddy's dead we've just brought his body in no obviously embalming no nothing he was over here on the gurney and so he's doing what we would all do he's standing over his father's body pastor and he's weeping this is his dad he's lost his father he's 82 lived a long life but he wanted him to stick around a little while longer and so in the corner over here was the funeral director's personal television and it was on low volume but still on and my friend pastor chris who i was there preaching for he was the pastor of the church he has a program on miracles and healing and it just by coincidence was playing at the same time as they brought the dead man in and his son is now crying over his dead father so in between sobs and they'd walked out for respect to leave him alone and give him some time they, they heard pastor chris say if you need a miracle from god as weird as it sounds and as strange as it feels, I want you to get up out of your seat and walk over to your television set. I'm going to stretch my hand toward the camera and as a point of contact, I want you to touch the TV screen. Put your hand on my hand and watch what God will do. Now, you're from Alabama, I'm from Texas, and for us Southern people, that's a little different. And if you're honest, you're home at night, you've worked all day, you're sitting in your lazy boy, watching TV, TBN, Daystar, whatever, Bible program comes on, guy wants you to get up and go to the TV and touch the screen. You know you're not doing that. You're not. You're not. But you would, you would be spiritual. You would stretch a hand toward the TV. The super spiritual among us would put the remote down and stretch both hands. And I would do the same. Do you know what this guy did? He grabbed the gurney that his dead father was on and drug the dead body across the floor and took his father's dead hand and put it on Pastor Chris. And that was the man they wanted me to go and meet. God raised that man from the dead right there in the funeral home. Come on, I'd shout louder than that if I were you. He raised him from the dead. He's in the church right now. They're seven hours ahead of us, but he's there Sunday morning. He's not 85, 82 now. He's a few years older, but he's still rocking for God. 
That's hard to make Jesus boring when you think about wonderful things like that. So I left Africa and I came back to New Orleans and preached there for my good friend Bishop R.C. Blakes. And I, I was, they were introducing me, Pastor, just like you just did. So I'm gathering my stuff thinking I'm next. I got to get my notes. What's my text? I'm kind of mentally going over stuff. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, before you preach today, tell the people the story about the dead guy in Africa. I wasn't thinking about it at all. So I got up and told them what I just told you and went right into my notes and forgot about it till 7.30 the next morning when the pastor called me screaming, Mike, Mike, you won't even imagine. He said, last night when we dismissed church, one of the women in the service went home and about 9.30 got a call from a doctor at the ER in New Orleans, which is where we were preaching. So they got her grown son in there and they regret to say he had just passed away. And would she come and claim the body? And she remembered what I had told two hours before and she put the phone down and said my boy will live and not die she rebuked that death she rebuked it and by the time she got to the er they had him back heartbeat sitting up in bed and he didn't even spend the night you know they keep you overnight for everything he went home that night i got on a plane went from there to charlotte north carolina i'm doing all this just within days I told them what I just told you. I was at INSP. Some of you have watched our camp meeting programs there on that night. And, and the guy said, we're going to send a camera crew to New Orleans. We're going to interview that mom, that boy. And we're going to put it on worldwide television and talk about how Jesus is still a healer and raises from the dead. Come on, somebody. This is the day we're living in. This is the day. But so to summarize and just get to where we are now in the United States. Eggs are $5,000 a carton now. Banks are closing down. Inflation's going up. And nobody on either side of the voting aisle predicts it's going to turn around anytime soon. Now, we have a change in the morals of our country. And I'm not saying this to be unkind so just listen to my heart when you and i were young we were troubled about what we wanted to do am i a cop a fireman a farmer a banker what do i want to do when i grow up what do i want to be and we all went through phases whether you wanted to be a model or if you're a girl or a farmer if you're a boy or a soldier we all went through these but 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 you didn't struggle with what you were you, and I'm not trying to be unkind. Listen, I'm going to say a lot of things fast because I got a lot of me and I don't want to hold you here till four o'clock this afternoon. I'm as old school as it gets in many ways. My father, my grandfather was a professional boxer. My uncle was a heavyweight champion. I boxed competitively for three years of a black belt. And I'm licensed to carry a gun in 46 of the 50 states and most of the time wear one when I'm preaching. But I didn't bring it to Alabama because I knew most of y'all would have one anyway. And you could protect me. Somebody asked me the other day, said, you're a preacher. Why do you carry a gun? Don't you trust God? I said, yeah, he's never tried to rob me. <laughs> Not one time. So I have that part of me that's very old school, toxic man. So when I go to eat at Pizza Hut and the 16-year-old waiter boy has on earrings and purple nail polish, that part of me is like, oh, man. And if he says the word hi and it takes him 10 minutes to say it, 
Hi. My wife will reach over and just touch my hand and say, baby. That's the Mike Smalley flesh part of me that doesn't like some of the changes that I'm seeing in broken people. And when my waitress this last week asked about my pronouns, I said, sweetheart, I've written 13 books and I still don't know what a pronoun is. I couldn't tell you either way. And what we're having today in school districts with all of the gender and all of the confusion and politically you can get mad about it as a southern person you may get mad about it you may wish for some 1950 morals where we didn't just make everything okay and i understand that from a human perspective but i'm asking you today as a fellow believer can you think for a minute how broken how hurting somebody must have to be to not know they're a boy or a girl to lay awake at night and think i got born messed up like i i i know it's hard for some of you to imagine but can you just stop for a minute and think how much pain do you have to be to look down in the shower and still think you're not whatever you're looking at and that's this america now young people not sure one school district had a, a young girl that identified as a cat so they put a kitty litter box in the bathroom so she could use the toilet this is not downtown L.A. or Chicago. This is in Alabama schools as well, in, in the liberal sense. It, it's coming. It's coming. So I'm not here to be unkind to anybody. People that don't know what they are have got something messed up inside of them bad. And so while as a human person, I'm like, come on, man, just macho up a little bit. But I understand it's just not that simple. And Jesus has come and died for everybody. Confused people, not confused people. And if you look around, I'm not saying all this for a reason. We've got banks closing, inflation's going up, people don't know what they are. And educated people who are not dumb on paper, PhDs, think a woman can get, a man can get pregnant. And this last week, the President of the United States' wife gave the International Woman's Day of the Year Award to a man wearing a dress. So even the most decorated woman in America now is really a dude. And it's funny, but it's not. Because the Bible told you that in the last days, people would fall prey to belief systems taught to them by demons. That's the only explanation for people smart enough to build a computer and do open heart surgery who still look you in the face and say, a man can have a baby. I want you to think about it for a minute. So that's the precipice of which we hear now on a beautiful sunny day in Alabama on Sunday morning. Jesus is getting ready to return to the earth and he's pouring out all of his opportunity to us who know him so we can lovingly reach out to people who are in bondage and confused and say it doesn't have to be that way anymore. There's an answer and his name is Jesus. And I came in here today just to remind all of us the little title of my message today, I'm just going to preach for a few minutes, is You've Already Got It, and I Know Where It Is. 
That's the title of my message today. You've already got it, and you know where it is. I want you to, I think they're going to put it on the screen for us real quick. I'm just going to read a few scriptures. I was in Missouri the other day, and I got real nervous when the pastor said, he started off his sermon, he said, turn in your Bibles anywhere you want, and I'll be by there eventually. I said, oh, Kathy, what do we, what do we got into here today? So I don't have that many scriptures, I promise. But they're going to put up this beautiful scripture from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I want you to see this. How many of you know if I talk fast, you can listen fast? Amen? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. I think they're going to put it up. Would you read it with me? Because there's power when you hear the word of God spoken out loud. Ready? Here we go. Ready? One, two, three. Read. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. One more time just to make the enemy mad. Ready? For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Everybody say praise the Lord. That verse is very powerful and I want to read you another one in just a minute in Colossians but look this way. What happened to you the moment you got saved was not just that you got forgiven. It wasn't just now you're a nicer you. It wasn't just now you're a you know, a kinder, more gentler you, or trying to get that way, or working toward it. Now, the moment you got born again, there was an exchange made. Christianity's not just about a changed life. You stop this and you stop that. It's about an exchanged life. You got his perfect record in place of your imperfect record. There was a switch being made. Something happened the moment you, you said, it's not enough just to believe in Jesus. We were coming here on the plane the other day, Friday, and it, turbulence was pretty bouncy. And Kathy does not like turbulence at all. I'm that goofy guy that videos other people on the plane when they're scared of turbulence. I'm like, look at that lady over there. I just, I'm making a little homemade video for us while I'm, you know, bouncing. Kathy's not laughing at all. And the poor lady on the window, look, I, you know, Kathy grabbed my arm, and the, the lady next to us was just sitting there by herself, and she looked over at us, and she goes, at least you've got someone to hold hands with. <laughs> Kathy said, I'll hold your hand too. But I video in the turbulence. We're, we're bouncing. Can you imagine if the captain had come on and said, it's not looking good. Got an engine blowing out. But the good news is we got parachutes under everybody's seat. Now at that moment, you believe in parachutes. But are you any safer than you were five minutes earlier just because you believed in a parachute? No. If the plane really is going down, you better pass from belief to putting it on. Because you can crash believing in parachutes, but you can't crash if you jump out the plane and pull the ripcord. In that case, the law of aerodynamics overrides the law of gravity. You may not enjoy it. It may not be your favorite day, but you're going to be a whole lot better off than sitting there reading your magazine, telling everybody you're fine. You believe in a parachute. There's a lot of Southern people who believe in Jesus. Raised in church. Good moral, mama's boy, we all know the Bible's the word of God. Wave the flag, yeah, yeah, southern apple pie, roll tie, whatever you got. But the truth is, they've never put on the Lord Jesus. They've never actually been born again. It's a Mother's Day, Easter Sunday kind of church, at the club on Saturday night, Bud Light on Tuesday night, and, 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 and you never would say anything bad about the Bible. You thank God for your praying grandma, but you don't want to live like praying grandma. You just want a praying grandma when you get your tail in a crack and praying grandma can get you out of it. But in the meantime, you're going to act the fool for a while. And I understand that. 
I've done a few stupid things myself many times. Somebody said that day in a church that said, I don't think I want to hear you preach anymore if I know all the bad things you've done. I said, well, I probably wouldn't want to preach to you if I knew all the bad stuff you've done. So I said, we just won't tell each other then. It'd be all right. There's a big difference between believing in Jesus and having experienced Jesus. Big, big difference, man. And that's why religion's so boring to so many people because they never got past. If you met a girl, fell in love with her, dated her for a year, asked Pastor Randy, would you marry us? And you walked up big, you know, everybody's here. You got the, the, the decorations. You spent the money. You've done the invitations out. You're going to get married. You walk up. There's your girl. There's you. And, and y'all just stand there quiet. Nobody speaks. And suddenly after five minutes of awkward silence, Pastor says, okay, you're married. You can go. What would everybody in the crowd be doing? And the bride and groom said, wait, 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 wait. We can't, we, ain't nobody said nothing. See, but if they said their vows and walked out, they're not more in love than they were when they walked in. They're not more committed. They knew what they believed when they got to church. They know what they believe now. The only reason they're married is they said something. They said something merged with what they believed, and that got them married. It's not enough to believe I love this girl. I want to stay with her the rest of my life. I'm not married to her till I say something merged with my beliefs. Are you grabbing that? And people can't be born again till they've merged that belief with a Romans chapter 10 verse 9 confession. I confess with my mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe God raised. And when you do that, the Bible says that instant you become saved. It's just amazing, isn't it? You confess with your mouth. It's an act of your will. I confess Jesus Christ is Lord. I, I'm an act of my will. Like saying, I, I, I pledge to you. I love you. I honor you. All that stuff we all said. Some of you have renewed your vows. Same stuff. I pledge. I honor. All that we do. It's, you're saying out loud what you know you already believe in here. And that makes it pop. And the moment, the moment you confess Jesus Christ is Lord. Match with the belief in his death and resurrection. The Bible says you're instantly born again. And something is pulled out of your old spirit. And something brand new is put into it. And it doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter if you still smoke two packs a day. It doesn't matter if you chew Copenhagen or dip it or all. It doesn't, in that moment, you hadn't cleaned up the car yet, but you got the title deed transferred over. Are you hearing me? So the moment his righteousness, I, I'm now born again. So I'm not trying to be righteous. I'm not trying to be holy because it was never about me to begin with. The moment I got born again, he pulled my old nature out, put a new nature in. And from that moment, I became the righteousness of God in Christ. Instantly righteous. There was a lady in my church years ago named Yvonne. She was a, a, a female Harley Davidson biker lady. And man, she was mean and rough. And she got saved, just beautiful and saved. I never seen anybody more happy with more joy. She still worked at the truck stop and she could still kill most grown men. She was a very large, big lady. Very big. We all got thankful she got saved. We, we quit locking our doors at night in the neighborhood, but she got soundly saved, but she still smoked a lot, smoked a lot of cigarettes. And in my Pentecostal upbringing, you know, people would send you to hell in 90 seconds for, you know, a pack of cigarettes. Despite the fact they were all 500 pounds, but that didn't matter. The fattest preachers are against smoking the most. I've never figured that out. Eat a bowl of Bluebell at 11 o'clock at night, and that's okay. 
But if you have one cigar a year, you're going to hell. <laughs> then we have all the stupid jokes about, well, you're not going to go to hell for it, but you'll smell like you've been there. Ha ha. Yvonne came to me one day and she said, Mike, she was so happy. I got to God's done a miracle. I, what's happened? She said, I, I'm down to two packs a day. And I rejoiced with her. I really did. And then I said, oh, Yvonne, I'm so sorry. Inquiring minds want to know. You know what I asked her. I said, I'm so happy about your two packs a day. But could I ask you a question? What did I ask her? That's exactly what I asked him. I said, I'm glad you're down to two, but girl, what was you at? Because you just tripled your annual salary probably, right? Just what you saved. All that. And that was before the Biden cigarette increase. I mean, it's just. She said, I was smoking five. I said, I heard a man crying last week and I didn't know who it was. Now I know it was your lung doctor. He, he's lost a lifetime customer. <laughs> But we really did rejoice because I knew what that meant. Yvonne would soon be down to one pack a day and then half a pack a day. And then she'd probably going to meet somewhere at Walmart, a super religious, boring, mean Christian. Then she'd probably smoke a pack and a half on that day. But then she'd get away from church folks and she'd be back down to 10, 5. And pretty soon she was going to come into my office and say, Mike, I ain't smoked a cigarette in a month. And we were going to rejoice. But guess what? This will shock some religious thinking, but when she was smoking two packs a day and then none, she wasn't any more saved. She was just a Christian who smoked two packs and a Christian who then smoked none. Because it wasn't about her righteousness. She was the car. You can buy a new car today. Hey, bird going to poop on it sometime in the next 30 days. Uh, you, I don't care if it's a brand new Mercedes, six-figure car. You're going to get some, some vulture poop on it out here or some drive through the pothole, and it's going to be dirty. It's still going to be 100% your car, but the condition does not relate to the position. So some of us need to understand the moment we got born again, sin's never right. Sin's never, you don't ever celebrate sin. But thank God... He grows us and works with us. Because some of you never smoked a day in your life, but you've been mean as a rattlesnake. Some of you have had profane. We've all got our stuff, so don't act like we don't. But the moment you got saved, you became righteous. And he put inside of you everything you would ever need or want in life. Already right in there. Because you already got it. And I know where it is. Everything you'd need, your peace, your joy, your strength. Woman came into me the other day. She said, Mike, I got, can you pray for me? I said, sure, what's up? She said, I got a meeting tomorrow. I, I know my, 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 there's a board meeting at my office. So they're going to come after me. She said, I know these people are going to be mean to me. She said, would you pray tomorrow in the meeting? I have strength. I said, oh, I'm so sorry. I, I can't do that. She said, why are you really got to go? You're that busy. I said, no, 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 it's not that. I said, it's an unscriptural prayer. I just can't pray it. It won't, it won't work. It won't. We could do it. And God's not going to strike you with lightning and burn your house down. But it's just not going to be effective. She said, what do you mean? I just want strength. I said, I know. I said, can I ask you where you live? And she knew exactly what I meant. She said, I live in Christ. I said, that's exactly right. You live in Christ. Because you're born again. Isn't what the Bible said? The Bible said the moment you got saved, said you've passed from death unto life. 
and he threw your old sins as far as the east is from the west. The Bible starts that verse off, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature, old things have passed away. So I said, you live in Christ. I said, so you're in God's presence all the time. Now what does the Bible say? In, in, in his presence is fullness of what? She went joy. And I said, and Nehemiah said, the joy of the Lord is your... And it hit her. Oh, I said, baby, you ain't got to pray for strength. You just have to lift both hands and say, I am strong. It's already in here. Already here. Already here. You see, we've got mixed up. I'll teach more on it later, but we, 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 we think a lot like Old Testament Christians. And things don't work the same way now. In the Old Testament, things came down. In the New Testament, Nothing's coming down. Revival's not coming down. The glory's not coming down. Your healing's not coming down. Your prosperity's not coming down. Everything's already in. It doesn't come down. It comes out. Are you hearing me today? Not God, please send it. He already did. It's all right here. Can I tell you something else? You, we, we say, I know what we mean by it. God knows what we mean. I've said it a thousand times, but I, I, I'm still wrong. But we say things like this. America's going to hell. The world is bad. It's time for the church to seek the Lord. And everybody goes, yeah, yeah. Except it's not. Because New Testament Christians don't seek God. You don't. When you was a kid here in Alabama... You played a game called hide and and the person who was counting was going to do the hiding and the rest of you did the what? And another word for seek means to what? It means to look. You don't say, I've lost my sunglasses. I think I'll seek them now. But if you say, I got to go look for my sunglasses, we know what you mean. The word seek, hide and seek. What was the rest of you doing? Finding the people that was counting. Right? Everybody, one, two, three. The, the guy counting is fine. He's got to look for us. How do you look for what never leaves you? How do you look for what's inside 24 hours a day? He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. He said, Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. In the Old Testament, he was in one room in one tent. And they could only go in one day a year. And they had to go where that tabernacle went. And that's where God's presence was. When you got born again, he came to live right inside of you. I don't have to seek the one who's never left. I didn't lose God. I got to seek the Lord. Where, where'd he go? Did you lose him? You lost your car keys and you lost God. That's a pretty bad day. Lost the Son of God. Can't find Him anywhere. Are you hearing me today? It's a different way of thinking because now I'm born again. If you don't understand that He's already made you righteous, then you'll spend your life trying to be good enough to get Him to do something for you. I hope He'll heal me. I hope He'll give me a raise. I hope He'll give me some new joy. God, I hope it's your will to deliver me. When you go back and read the New Testament, he's already told you. You've already been delivered. You've already been blessed. Oh, come on, somebody. It's already inside. You see, your miracle's not coming down. It's coming out. Put up my little Ephesians scripture. I want to read this. We can all run on this one together. This will make you shout over your lunch today and come back happy tonight. Ephesians chapter 2. Can we read it real slow and at the same time? Ready? One, two, three. Uh-oh. Go. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Stop right there. How does he do it? God is able. He's able. Say he's able. Say it. 
He's able. Is he able to do miracles, raise the dead, heal the sick? Can a man touch a TV screen and come back to life? All right, this is a God. Oh, hallelujah. Raises Lazarus from the dead. Parts the Red Sea. Whole army walks across, drowns the, drowns the rest of the folks. Elijah throws an axe head on the river. It floats. He calls water. Spoils. It's clean. Jesus heals the blind, the deaf, the mute. Casts out devils. Walks on water. Rises from the dead. Puts money for taxes in a fish's mouth. This is Jesus who lives in you. Lives in you. And said the same things I do and greater you're going to do. Come on somebody. So now he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. How? According to the power that works inside of us. You already got it and I know where it is. It ain't coming down based on your good deeds or bad deeds. It's coming out of you based on your faith and you're locking into the authority God's already given you. Hallelujah. So you don't have to pray things like, God, we just seek you today. Lord, we're all going on a trip now. We hope you'll go with us. How what do you mean go with us? He said, I'll never leave you. You don't wake up in the morning and go, I sure hope my kidneys are in my body. I hope, I hope, uh, liver, I hope you, I hope you didn't leave during the night. I, I, I've got a, we're going to go have a big day. Going to need you there. Going to need you to function. If you believed him when he said, I'll never leave you. Well, yeah, but I went through a divorce. I'll never leave you. Yeah, I cheated on my wife. I'll never leave you. Yeah, I went to prison, Mike. I went to jail. I'll never leave you. Mike, I got laid off. I'll never leave you. Mike, I lost my temper. I cussed my kids out. I really hurt their heart. I'll never leave you. Mike, I didn't look at pornography for five years, but I did last night. I'll never leave you. Mike, I hadn't done drugs in years. I hadn't got drunk in 10 years, but I went through a bad spell last month. I went, I got, I just got sloshed. I will never leave you. Are you hearing me today? You see, Christians don't just have a forgiven past. We have no past at all. It's been erased. It's been deleted. Hadn't just been forgiven. It's been erased. It's not there anymore. Come on, give God some shout today. But it, if you don't understand that, then you think God's good and I know he loves me. But I know I'm struggling and he's probably just not happy about that. So if I could just get a little bit better and a little more holy and a little less worldly. And if I could just do some more spiritual push-ups, he might like me enough to answer my prayer. If you live like that, the devil will use you like a yo-yo every day for the rest of your life. Because you'll never in your eyes measure up. So you won't claim what's yours. And you stay where you are. And in the South, we say a lot of expressions, and because we all talk Southern, it sounds even more dumb when we say it than other people. Because nothing sounds stupider than Southern people saying stupid stuff. I know, because I hear myself say it. Statements like this. Well, Mike, life has its ups and its downs. Its highs and its lows. Except who told you that? Who told you that? Who, who told you that? What Bible verse did you get that of? I, I, I didn't read Jesus had highs and lows. I read that this Bible says we go from faith to faith, from glory to glory. Well, Mike, what about bad days? Bad things happen to good people. 
I read in Romans chapter 8, He works all things for my good. So if God Himself is playing everything so I win, how could I ever have a bad day? Even if I fail, got grace, mercy. Well, Mike, what if you, 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 you really sinned bad? Okay, I guess He died bad. I guess He shed good blood. And either works or it doesn't. So I'm here to tell you today, we've all got our story. You all got your stuff you don't want anybody to know about. And when we talk about these things, we, we always say, this is what you did before you got saved. I ain't talking about what you did before you got saved. I'm talking about the stuff you did last week. I'm talking about the stuff you did since you got saved. It still hasn't affected your righteousness. Might affect your condition for a day or two, but not your position. And if you'll go with that, He can take you from faith to faith, from glory to glory. And you can lay hands on the sick and see Him recover. And you can raise the dead. And you can call in divine provision. And you too could grab a dead body on a gurney and drag it to a TV screen and watch this great God do something in you. We talk Old Testament. We just need God to send revival. Too late. He sent the Holy Ghost 2,000 years. There's not another one to send. There's not another Holy Ghost to send. We sing the old song, send it on down. He's not an it, and he's been down 2,000 years. Wake up. It's already in you. You already got it. Your prosperity, it's in here. It's in the born-again part of you. The healing you need, it's in here. It's not you. It's the Jesus thing he put in you. I'll close with this. I didn't talk about this for years, maybe 10, because that was so holy. I, I didn't want God to think for one minute I was trying to take any credit for what I'm about to tell you. And about a year and a half ago, my wife and the Lord got a hold of me and said, why won't you tell what God has done? So I still do it with trepidation and preface it with, to him be all the glory, the honor. That's not just something I say. I mean it. But we had a woman raised from the dead in our ministry. And the crazy thing about it was I didn't feel. I, I felt nothing. I felt the same anointing that day as I do when I'm at Pizza Hut eating pepperoni pizza and having sweet tea. Because I told you I'm a southern person. <laughs> My wife's trying to get me to eat unsweet tea. I said, get thee behind me. <laughs> so, nothing nastier than sweet tea unless it's black coffee. So... They brought a lady in our meeting. And no pulse, no heartbeat, no breath for over 20 minutes. Now, skeptic Pastor Randy said to me, well, how do you know? Are you a medical doctor? So I, I'm pretty good at dead. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good with identifying dead. If you hadn't breathed for 20 minutes, you're dead. You ain't got no pulse for 20 minutes, no heartbeat. Pretty good chance you're dead. They brought her in, and they were having praise and worship. And I was, I had just preached. I was making an altar call for salvation. And they brought her on a stretcher right in front of, right here. And the singing was so loud, I didn't know she was dead at first. Long story short, I'm saying this for a reason to you, because I hadn't been on a fast. 
had not spoken in tongues two hours that day, and I'm not belittling any of these wonderful things. But I'm trying to get you to see, this is supposed to be the norm for you and me. We think it's the exception. Wish I could have the faith of Smith Wigglesworth. He didn't have any more faith than you do. God's given every man the measure of faith. Billy Graham didn't have more than you do. The Bible says God's given every person the measure. There's not ten. It's a measure. You decide what you do with your measure. But Jesus said, these are the signs that follow those who believe. They'll lay hands on the sick, see them recover. They'll cast out devils. They drink any deadly thing, it won't hurt them. In other words, they become a, a superhuman. Why do you think superhero movies are so popular right now? Because inside every person is the knowledge that we were created to be more than we are now. There's a super human superman thing craving to get back on the inside of us the kind that walks on water raises the dead so i walked over to her and i figured out pretty quick something something's not right here and i laid my hand on her shoulder because i still got to finish the service i just gave it to the worship guy for half a second to see what this is about and out of my mouth with no premeditation i just heard myself say live in jesus name that's it I turned around and walked off because I got 800 people I'm still praying with to get saved. Five minutes later, the guy next to me pulls my coat like this and says, My God, Mike, look. Or what? Look in the mill. I did. I don't know, what, what do you mean? He was actually getting on my nerves because I'm trying to address these people. He's just wanting to have a conversation. What? He said, Mike, don't you see? Look at the girl. Well, the crowd's half boys, half girls. I who? What? I, I'm, I'm slow sometimes. He said, Mike, my God, look, the dead girl. And I looked down at the empty stretcher. And then right in the middle of the crowd, she's standing just like this. And the next night, she was on our crusade platform testifying. I was the girl. She wasn't even saved. She didn't get saved till the next day. But she got raised from the dead the night before. That ain't a bad weekend. Come on, somebody. Said all that to say, that wasn't because I was there. It wasn't the evangelist was there. I promise you, I, I didn't. I don't mean this weird, but I didn't feel any different than this. I'm mowing the grass. There was no cloud or or whatever. Can I just close with this? A dog doesn't try to be a dog. A cow doesn't try to be a cow. A deer doesn't try to be a deer. A believer doesn't try to believe. That's just what we do. Because that's what we are. And our problem, if we're all honest, it's not that we don't have faith. It's not that you don't think God can do it. It's not that you don't think God wants to do it. Your problem is not you don't have any faith. Our problem, United States Church, Alabama Church, Texas Church, our problem, you that are watching online from wherever you are, your problem is not that you don't have faith. Your problem is that you have too much unbelief. If I put a big concrete block right here in the middle of your church, and you men helped me, and there was one chain and one tractor on this side pulling that way, and one chain and one tractor pulling this way, same size engine, same torque, same pressure, what does the block of cement do? It does nothing. Because the pull that way negates the pull this way. It just stays in one place. See, your faith is pulling you this way, but your unbelief is negating your faith by pulling you the other way. 
And it's not even something we choose. It's something that gets into us. Through the social media we watch, the new I'm not talking about watching The Exorcist at night at 2 a.m. I'm just talking about living normal life and hearing people talk in the aisle at Walmart. You're bombarded with unbelief and negativity every day of your life. And if you're not renewing your mind with the Word of God, even though you know God can, it won't happen for you because your unbelief will cancel out your faith. So the next couple of days, tonight, tomorrow, we're going to come back together, link in arms. I promise you, this is the safest room you've been in all week. There's more love in this room than you've been in all week. We're going to lock arms together as the family of God. And we're going to grow and learn. And we're going from faith to faith and glory to glory. And folk are going to get their healing and going to get their miracle and get their prosperity. And you're going to get new vision of what God has for you. And I came to tell you today, everything's not going to be all right in Christ. Everything already is all right. Come on, give God one more hand of appreciation. I want our keyboard player to come. I want our keyboardist to come. And I want to pray over you today that God would take this little seed of his word. And I want to give you one little last scripture. They're going to put it up for us. New Living Translation. This is one of my favorites. I want you to see this. If you don't grab this, I have to start here. I know your pastor's a phenomenal teacher, and this is not a normal church. You know that, right? Like, your pastor and his wife are not the average normal pastors. I was in a church the other day in Florida. I never met the guy. He called me into his office before service, and I just want to let you know, I don't want a move of God in my church. I thought he said he did. That's why I'm here. He goes, no, 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 you must understand. I don't want a move of God. I was confused. Why am I here? Why'd you bring me? I needed a break. I had to have just one of the day off. So I preached, made an altar call. 30 teenagers got saved. And he met me in the hallway and made fun of the way I preached and walked out. And I never saw him again. So when I tell you, you've got a king and a queen here, I promise you, you do. You do. Come on, give God a hand of praise. They love you. They love you. They got stuff to do. They got kids and grandkids. You got stuff. I got stuff. We got seven kids between us. We got stuff to do. We got a mother-in-law in the hospital right now. We, we, we all got busy stuff, but we all laid it aside to focus together. This morning, tonight, tomorrow, what does God want to say to me? And I just came here to tell you, get ready, folks, to see some folk raised from the dead in your life. Get ready to see blind eyes healed in the middle of Walmart because God's going to do some crazy stuff through you because I know where it already is. You already got it. Your prosperity is already right here. Are you grabbing this today? Put it up one more time. Yet now. Everybody say now. When? After you speak in tongues an hour? After you give big money to the church? After you go on a 40-day fast? After you've gone a month without sinning? So you're reading it. Now, he he what? Is that past tense or future tense? That's already happened. Who's the he he's talking about? What's his name? He has already reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. And as a result, he what? Past tense. He has. He brought you into his own presence and you past present or future you you what are is that past tense or present tense it's right now 
It's right now, 2023. With transgender kids and abortion up to the ninth month. Eggs that cost $5,000 a carton. Banks running out, closing up. And people who think a man can get pregnant. But it doesn't matter. He has brought us into His own presence. And we right now are holy. And we right now are blameless. And we right now stand before Him without a single fault. Come on, somebody. Give God. Woo! Hallelujah. So He's already in you. So quit praying for stuff to come down. And start using your authority to let it out. Can I tell you how we have revival? Revival's not coming down. We say that all the time. And I know what we mean by that. And God will work with us. But Jesus said to us, He said, you go heal the sick. You go raise the dead. Now, can you imagine if you and I went to Walmart today and healed everybody in the pharmacy line? I think there might be revival. If we went down to the hospital and raised somebody from the dead, I think there just might be their revival. See, revival happens when church folks realize what they already got and just start letting it out. That's when revival comes. All these meetings, Asbury, all that, it's just a bunch of kids who found out kind of bit who they were for a minute. And God honors it. So right where you are right now, you can have any future you want. Healthy, wealthy. Somebody said, are you a... Are you a health and wealth preacher I said as opposed to what a sickness and poverty preacher that wouldn't be good news but he said I got good news I just left Africa where there were people urinating across the street from where I preach but there's multi-millionaires five feet on the other side of that guy there's poor people in every city on the earth and there's millionaires which one would you rather be there's sick people in every city and healthy wealthy people would you rather be healthy or sick how many believe in a God who just has already put everything you need right in here amen and we're going to let it out. So I want you to get a new vision of what's going to happen tonight, tomorrow. And get ready. Get ready for the God who raises the dead to come out of you. And everything you touch erupts. Come on, give Him praise. Give Him God. One more. Come on, hallelujah. Father, we love you today. Just lift both hands all over the building. Father, Father, I thank you today for every person here. Lift both hands right where you are. Just use your own words right now. Would you right there? Just say out loud. Just say, thank you, Jesus, for saving me, loving me, forgiving me. Let's finish how we started. Lord, I receive. I receive your new nature. I receive your authority, your prosperity, your health your joy, your peace, your wisdom, your love. Today, I'm reaching and I'm receiving. Today is the poorest I'll ever be the rest of my life. Today, I am healthy. I am strong. I don't have a flu season. I don't have an allergy season. I have a born-again season. I have a born-again season. I lay hands on the sick, and they recover. I rebuke devils, and they leave. I speak to mountains, 
and they do what I say because of you because of you oh come on now just spend about 30 seconds and give him some crazy praise right now just thank him thank him right now thank you for my grandkids father thank you for my wife thank you for my husband thank you for my pastor thank you for your word thank you for your promises thank you thank you you never forsook me or left me thank you you're always here always here always here thank you you're overcoming what the enemy meant for evil you're turning it for my good oh i cannot fail i cannot fail and father i pray right now for a healing i remove shame from people's memories i remove guilt from people's heart father some folks in this room are battling they they've got some things they're embarrassed about and it's held them back i curse that attack of the enemy on their mind i decree right now they are free in the name of Jesus, we stand on your eternal word. No weapon formed against us prospers. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We are the head and not the tail, the lender, not the borrower. We have uncommon joy, uncommon peace, uncommon health. I'm free from the pain of the divorce. I'm free from the pain of the bankruptcy. I'm free from the pain of the imprisonment. I'm free. I'm free. Right where you are, just put your hand on your chest and say that loud. I am free. I am free. Father, I pray for those who are still struggling with some habits. Maybe it's getting tipsy. Maybe it's smoking. Maybe it's their mouth. Maybe it's their pride. We've all got something we've had to address. So there's not a condemning bone in anyone's body here today. Lord, we're not judging anybody, but we just say, He loves you and He understands. He loves you and He understands. And the Bible doesn't say you're going to be complete it says you already are so you just got to get into agreement with God occasionally when that bird poops on you and you drive through that muddy puddle it didn't make you less a child of God I got a 16 year old daughter when she makes an A it doesn't make her more my daughter when she makes an F it doesn't make her less she's my daughter you're born again you're born again so put your hand on your chest right now and say right now Mike I admit I agree with God I am delivered I am whole I am free I'll never go back and even if I did he'd still be there to take me forward again father thank you today for all this amazing church father I sanctify these moments together we're gonna to come back at 530 father bless our pastor today Father, I lay hands on Pastor Randy. Father, I lay hands on his queen. They pray for us all the time. So we're going to just take a moment to just say, Lord, bless them today. Pour into them. We wouldn't be here today if it weren't for their invitation. Father, I pray for our pianists and our sound men and people working in children's churches. A lot of folks couldn't be in this room today. So, God, we just come into agreement. Father, tonight when we come back, we're coming with expectancy. We're going to go deep into your word tonight. You're going to give us three keys to survive the coming last day storm. And we thank you today that joy and peace is going to erupt. Father, I come against any attack of the enemy this afternoon that would keep us from coming back. We make a decision now. We'll be in your house. Father, I lay hands on as many people as I can. Tonight, I'll lay hands on everybody. Father, I just decree new joy. Would you say it with me? I have new joy, new peace. Oh, Jesus, you're here. Just sit in his presence, folks. Just sit. Just sit. Let me obey the Lord. Shh. There's a woman here. Don't know who you are. You got really, really wounded by an uncle when you were a girl. And you don't talk about it. Other people don't know about it. 
And you don't have to talk about it today. I just telling you right now, you're forever free from it right now. Right now. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. Go in Jesus' name. That pain, that tormenting spirit, I cast it out. That you're not possessed, but you've got demons that talk to you and try to remind you of it, make you feel unworthy. I curse that. It's forever gone. Now, it'll never happen to you again in Jesus' name. Father, I feel like there's people that are blind, got vision problems. You're going to touch them in this meeting. Eyesight's being restored. Father, there's three people right now who've had money stolen from them. Somebody that owes them money that's never paid them back. I call it in from the north, the south, the east, and the west. There'll be testimonies linked back to this service that the money is on its way in Jesus' name. Arthritis will be gone by this weekend in the name of Jesus. You can't torment God's people anymore. Father, thank you for uncommon business ideas being dropped into people's spirits so they can learn to become multimillionaires for the cause of Christ. Oh, can you tell my heart's full for this weekend? There's a man here today. You've struggled with pornography. You're not looking at it now, but you're still battling with the shame that you ever did it to begin with. And every time you try to move forward in leadership, with your home, your family, etc. The enemy tells you you're not qualified because you've got a past. Well, nobody's got a past like the devil's. So he's a liar. And the blood is the blood is the blood is the blood is the blood. Christians don't have a forgiven past. They have no past at all. Somebody asked me the other day, don't you have skeletons in your closet? I said, because of Jesus, I ain't even got a closet. <laughs> Been deleted. Got erased. Got erased. Got, got his righteousness. I just read it to you. You're already holy. You're already clean. What did it just say? Without a single fault. So everybody lift both hands one more time. And just say, I am free. Now give God a hand clap of praise today. Come on.